Let's get back to Sports and Torts with David Spada and Elliot Harris on TalkZone.com. All right, welcome back. And a man we interviewed recently who you know personally. Wilbur Marshall, he's incredible. He was the best linebacker on those teams in the 80s with the Bears. Yeah, but people like to go to Singletary. They like to go to Otis Wilson. But for dominance, I'll take Wilbur. He was awfully good. Anyway, here is our interview with Wilbur Marshall. I see that you uh, grew up in Florida. How did you end up choosing Florida University for college? Uh, when you grow up here, that's just a part of it. That's where you go. It's a great school, great people here. Were there any other schools recruiting you back then? Yeah, I had all of them. I had uh, all the colleges. I went everywhere. I had them all recruit me back then. Was Florida State an option at any point? Um, sort of. I had a friend at well, where we where we grew up. There's a lot of people. We go to Florida. Florida State were like uh, not too far from either one of them. So. Uh, it was it was one of those things, but at that time they had a problem with uh, uh, what's his name Sims, and those guys had definitely had the uh, I guess stealing of radios and all that stuff came up. <laughs> so uh, that's that that was one reason why I wasn't going there. Your coach at that time that was first Spurrier. Who was it back then? Excuse me. Who was your coach at Florida back then? I was Charlie Pell. What was Charlie Pell like to play for? Uh, he was a great guy. Um, good motivator, good recruiter. Uh, and uh, just uh, things just didn't work out for him. Now, you came in being a parade All-American in high school. Did, did they have high – how high were the expectations among the Gators staff and the fans – when you entered uh, the university, well, back then I, I don't know. It's a small, uh, small town that I'm coming in, and uh, I played just about every position in uh, high school. So um, I, I wasn't sure exactly what they wanted me to do. And I played tight end, and then uh, then next, next, you know, the next month that uh, I was uh, put on the other side of the ball. Was there any consideration of putting you on offense when you were in Florida? Um, I did my first year played it, and then uh, we we didn't have that many players. You know, we started out really slow with uh, Charlie coming over from Clemson. You know, they you know Florida wasn't winning very much, and uh, put a group of uh, guys together, uh, uh, a lot of great guys, and both of us had to play a lot of different positions. Like James Jones, we both came in as tight end and moved him to fullback. Mike Milwaukee, that you know, coaches now. He played tight end. They left him there. We had three of us there playing that same position, and another guy called uh, Faulkner. So they left those two, Mike and uh, and uh, Faulkner, there, and then they moved James Jones to fullback, and I went to the other side. Had a lot of good athletes that played both ways. Did you have a preference one way or the other, offense or defense? Um, at the time, I wanted to play offense, but at the time, you know, we had four tight ends. At that time, you just want to play. You want to be on the field. You don't want to be sitting behind someone. That's what I have hard time with these kids now that uh, they go to school and they realize, you know, they're the top of their game when they come out of high school. But when you get to that next level, you just want to get on the field. 
and you should you should think that instead of sitting behind someone and who knows what you could have been, you know. Was there someone you patted yourself after as a linebacker when you're in college? Excuse me. Is there someone you patted yourself after in college as a linebacker? Uh, no, not really. Not not at that time. I was just glad to be on the field playing, and uh, he put me in a situation where, with my speed and size, that I could play outside linebacker. It's like now uh, in the NFL, you're playing a, a three-four compared to a four-three. You're sure that you basically defensive end. They move to an outside linebacker position, and you just make all the sacks. That's how I got to where I was to the next level because I could come off the edge. But uh Freddie had an idea on how he wanted to play defense until a four three and not a lot of people did that and they moved me behind the line of scrimmage so it was a lot tougher to get those sacks and and uh, make those plays. In college was there a point where you said, Hey, this is pretty easy because you had a lot of success and, you know, nationally recognized or, or do no. you think it would be more of a challenge? Oh, when you're playing it in college, you know, I'll tell you, it's just fun. You're just playing. It's not like today. You know, everybody looking for that next step. Yeah. We're just glad to be there, glad to be playing. And all of a sudden, you know, I got to my last year. They go, man, you're going to be one of the top players coming out. I mean, what do you mean? You know, what do you mean, guys? So you're going to be the top players. You're going to be one of the guys in the first round that's going to be coming out. And uh, you're going to make it. And uh, that's what happened. Was there a game that stood out as your favorite one in college? Oh boy, there's a lot of we had a lot of rivalry games played against uh, Georgia and Auburn, and I mean it was very tough. Every every game was tough, but the, the USC game when they came in and they had a great game. Uh, that's how I got basically on the map, you know, running down to the old student body. I mean, you probably didn't enjoy going against Georgia with Herschel Walker back then. Yeah, we we had a lot of great people. Yeah, I mean, it was a lot of great players. You know, Bo came in a little later um, from Auburn, and uh, it was bad. He had Brooks, Auburn. We had, I mean, we had a lot of great, great ball players that we had to go through the SEC. You had to play against every week. There wasn't just one team. And then Florida State, our rivals, and then Miami. We played, we played a very tough schedule. After you graduated, did you know? The Bears were going to be drafting you, or you were looking for somebody to take you quicker. What was your anticipation heading into the draft? Well, in the draft, it was a lot. I was supposed to be the, the first pick in the draft, the way it worked out. And um, because of uh, the Houston, I had a couple of picks. And uh, but what they wanted to do, they wanted to keep two players. They wanted to keep. They wanted to get alignment. I think the same was Steinkuler at that time. At that, I think that's what his name was. And um, at the time, they figured that, yeah, wanted to drop me down. And so they didn't take both of us. If they took me first, then they wouldn't have got him. So they, they wanted to make a deal with me to, to sit back and just wait. And so what they did was they basically tried to outprice me to the other teams. And by doing that, no one would touch me with that. At the time, the Bears were, you know, hey, with that, you know, we'll take our chances. So they never got a chance to get that other pick. Was there any temptation to go to the rival league, the USFL? Uh, that was part of our bargaining agreement. I mean, with, you know, against the NFL, that's what you want to do. But I told them they said I just want to play in the NFL. It wasn't 
worry about that. I think uh, the Tampa Bay Bandits uh, drafted me, and I didn't want to go there. I just wanted to play me on uh, Sundays, coming home from school and from work, working with my father. And then we watched the Miami Dolphins just wanted to play ball. I wanted to play the NFL, and that was it. When the Bears drafted you, when, what went through your mind? You, it's a little colder in Chicago than it is in Gainesville. Well, one of this game was my hometown, a little small place in Tigersville, Florida. Games were even bigger, and that was scared to death where I'm going. Saw the tall buildings and, you know, how it's going to go. I never, you know, had to take care of myself. Everything was done. You know, mom come do your laundry and, you know, place to eat, place to sleep, and get school. And now I had to go in this, uh, to me, big and fast world of Chicago and try to fit in. Because when you joined the Bears, that defense was pretty much on the rise. You had Singletary, middle linebacker, Otis, and you had uh, L. Harris at the other linebacker. Did you think to yourself, you know what, this might be a little tough to break the starting lineup? No, not for me, because what I believe myself, I believe I could play. And I think that's a different. You don't go in there thinking that, hey, I'm going to, you know, can't break anything. I knew that I could run. I was faster. I know I can play the game. And, uh, if you're going to be a first-round pick, I know that they, that's what they wanted. They weren't going to be sitting there waiting for me to break the line up. They're going to put me in the game and let's see what I'm going to do. And that's what they do with all the first-round and young players now. you got you got to earn that money. Otherwise, they don't look good. What was your first meeting with Buddy? Oh, it was tough. It was difficult, Buddy. Um, you know, just where how it is, how it's going to be done. Uh, we don't play, uh, you know, young guys. Is you don't know the defense, you gotta know it inside out, and that's a tough part of uh, playing with him because uh, playing for him, that you couldn't make mistakes. He had a chart, and we had to take tests every, you know, every week. If you were gonna be on the field, you had to you had to score out a hundred on that test, so you were going out on the field. How long did it take for uh, Buddy to figure out what your name was? Because I heard he called everybody by their numbers. Uh, all these great defensive teams because, you know, he, he, he demanded them, everybody knowing what everybody else was supposed to do. Like myself, I had to know what the safeties and I had to know what the corners were doing. So if someone screwed up, I can be able to take their place if I see them supposed to be somewhere else. You know, you slide over and you take their position because, uh, that's, that's a part of that defense. You had to know everybody's positions. So did you ever end up in Buddy Ryan's doghouse? Um, my first year, because I wanted to play, and he said, no, <laughs> that's his doc house. He wasn't going to let it happen. He said, you got to learn it. You got to know it. Uh, you know, about towards, uh, you know, end of the year, uh, I knew it, but, you know, he, that's what he decided he was going to do. You have to learn this. You have to pick these certain defense up. They going to play special team. This is... This is what he, this is what he can do. I think he, they said he did it to everyone else. So I, when they told me that, I just expected that. I kept my head down and just worked hard. Who was the leader of that defense when you joined them? Was it Singletary? Was it Hampton or Fensick? Oh, they had a lot of, they had a lot of leaders. Um, depends on who was on the field at that time. Because uh, uh, the way we did it, uh, we had automatic fronts. And a lot of things that a lot of the other team doesn't do is that we, uh, our defense depend on formation. And at, at that time, we, we could uh, basically call, uh, would call it in the back. On um, the if they got to run a cover two or cover three or they got man, 
and then linebackers have to know what the what the corners are doing, what the safety's doing, because sometimes you play together on the in and out of it, we call it slice. So you have to know what exactly what they're doing with the middle with the linebackers and then Mike will call calls from the line that's what's going to shift the defense. That's why a lot of times when you saw a defensive front shift from one defense to the other, we knew exactly what we were running. And we can shift defense when everybody lined up until he come up, the quarterback come up to read. We're allowed to change the defense. But even though our safeties and corner know exactly what we call from the sideline, and Bayer would give us that automatic front signal. And uh, we know exactly if they get into a split back or a strong formation or uh, two receivers on one side. Hopefully, I'm not getting too much over your head with this stuff. But uh, that's that's just that's just how we did things. We had to know exactly what everybody's doing. That's what that's what I said earlier. We had to know exactly because we called that front. That's what he wanted. At, at what point did the defense know that it was just as dominating a defense as the NFL had seen? Um, I don't know. My second year, it was just, it was just going camp. It was just fun. It wasn't really, you know, working. You know, guys, you know, knew their role and exactly what we were going to do. And it become a lot of fun where, you know, guys are saying they're going to be the first one to get the sack. Or this is what we're going to do. And plus, if you know the defense well enough, like we did, and I think that's the reason why Buddy had us know everybody's position, even the linemen. Even the linebacker, because we have to know what gaps they're hitting, and know what backside to play. And if you knew that, you can always compensate. And, and at some time, buddy, allow us to do that in the game. Where you come to the sideline, we go, hey, buddy, I can, I can beat this guy. Let you go, I can do this. And we're in a four-three. I'm on the end of the line. I'll just, I'll just tell Richard, hey, move out far. I'll play behind you in a stack position. I'll let you go ahead and rest this guy. If you can get there, get there. And if it doesn't work at what he said, then you know, never run it again. So that that's how he let us play it and, and uh had fun with the game. I still don't get that Dolphin game in eighty five, how you lost that game. Was it just Dan Marino knew how to pick apart the defense or was it just bad game planning by Mike Ditka? Well, it's a lot of stuff that happened that game. Um uh, basically uh, uh Jim McMahon didn't play one. They had four in the game. And at that time, you know, we were just, you know, trying to play a game. I don't think anybody knew that we were trying to break a record at that time. I know I didn't. But I was just playing. I was just trying to do the, hard, you know, the best I could. And we had a lot of people might get their thought, you know, He's trying to run both sides of the field, and when him and Buddy both had this, it's a tough, tough situation. <laughs> and they're going to happen. You're going to do your side, he's going to do his, and then uh, we had uh, some people go down. Uh, and we had a, a great player that, you know, had to get his 100 yards. And uh, that's when uh, Jim did come back in the game, settle playing catch-up. I think it was more important for our offensive linemen. And those guys would give him that 100 yards. He said, we get back to these guys, we'll get back to them. There was a lot of freakish things happening, like uh, with the Richardson, a couple of tips, you know, for touchdowns. Things like that just happened. That's, that's the game of football. But we knew if we got them again, what we would do to them. When you guys made it to the Super Bowl, was there any question heading into the game that you guys would win? I, I, I really don't know. I mean, it was very quiet. 
very quiet. I know that I was ready to play. And uh, then uh, it was the funniest thing happened that uh, uh, Walter always brought in his tape player and and we all sitting there and then all you do is heard his music come on and uh, and it was uh we are family. And then the place just went freaking berserk in there, you know. And uh, the guys were ready to play, and all of a sudden we were just worried about it. Everybody just kind of, you know, wear themselves down before we got on the field. And uh, it was just it was just so much fun. Got back to the point of being so serious. Just, hey, guys, let's get back. Let's have fun. Let's just, you know, listen to this music. This is how we are, joking around. This, this is who we are. We enjoy the game. And then uh, we went out there and we just laid it on, <laughs> laid it on the New England. The hit I remember you for was that one at Joe Ferguson where you knocked him out. I mean, that hit had to be one of the most ferocious I ever saw. Uh, it's just it was just a bad play for Detroit. You know, wasn't nothing meant to to happen. Just ran into it. I mean, I'm I'm got a 20 yard start. He's rolling out. If you're a right-handed quarterback, you don't roll out to your left. Because you got to bring your shoulder square, and he's got to so vulnerable. When I came through, and that was it. Because then he jumped. Then he tried to jump, so he really had no leverage. And then when I got him coming in the chest, you know that was it. It was over then. What I find amazing is the NFL marketed that play for years, and all of a sudden it's like it never happened. That video disappeared. Yeah, because of the injuries, I guess, concussion that he had, you know, head injuries, they, they now all of those things, all the hits that I got, they basically took off because they were vicious hits. And um, now with the concussions and everything else that's going on, that they did not want to show that. They don't want to show that. They, they didn't take it off the site, you know. So which did but you it was try? A clean, it, was a clean hit. it was a clean hit. Yeah. So what, which did you enjoy more than Humble return for the touchdown. Oh, I, I, I mean, all of it was exciting. The 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 fumble recovery was something that just happened. It was we were up in the you know snow, and my biggest thing, my thing, it was freezing. I was like, man, I'm glad this thing was over. We have to go. I sat on the sidelines and said, guys, just run this thing out. You know. I, I think what was funny about that return for the touchdown was it starts snowing when you're returning the ball. Oh yeah, it was it was just crazy, you know. Everybody was having, was having a good time. We were up, and you know, we was talking a lot of crap. They were too, you know. They always say, oh, "We we do that." Now we, and then they go back at us, and all you do is just totally pump us up, and we're ready to come get you. You know, our defense was like, you know, we didn't care. With McMichael's, you know, man, blood, you know, just take it and blood it on his face, and you know, like an Indian, he had it, he had it going, man. It was just, just crazy, man. It was just crazy, but they had so much fun. Was it frustrating for you in that defense at 46 that Buddy didn't let you rush the passer as much as, like, the Giants did with Lawrence Taylor? Because you probably could have put up double-digit sack years every year. Well, the difference is, you know, you got to be a team player and you play what we play. Um, and the difference with that, you know, a lot of guys uh, always bring it up. And they go, well, we play the 3-4. They play the 3-4. They got three linemen and they got four linebackers. And basically all Lawrence Taylor was is a rush defensive end. He rushed every down. 
So if you if you take your defense, you slide them to one side. That's basically what it is. And what we did was we had four linemen and three linebackers, so we had two people off the off the ball. And that's why we can get to our eight-man front by bringing the safety up. And we have two middle, basically two middle lines, but we go to a five-two when we bring the safety up. So if you don't really know the defense, like some of these uh, reporters and people who go to um, Hall of Fame and do all this stuff, you don't know what it takes to play that defense, you'll never understand it. You'll never understand it because no one else can play it. And by doing it the way we did it, where they can isolate me on a tight end one-on-one, okay, and then what you can do with Rush Otis, by doing that, we keep the safety in, uh, and now you can play on both of your wideouts. We can, we can double both of those guys. You see, now everybody's playing man to man. We can double the corner and safety and safety and strong, I mean, the strong safety in the other corner. You can double your both receivers. And then your two backs, you got Otis and you got Mike. So, they, they, they don't have enough people to block you. That's why they brought everybody in. But now they spread this thing out. We didn't allow that. What I think. So, if you don't know that, hmm? No, what I think is interesting, too, is everybody says Singletary, Singletary. Singletary did not play every down. They would put you in the middle on passing downs because you were a better pass defender than Singletary. Uh, yeah, yeah they, because we can still run the same thing out of it because I can still play. I still play like corner and safety because they put me on the on the wideout for one-on-one. But if you don't know the defense, like I said before, we can go up and line up there and uh, they should have called two. Down they try to call a Tampa two. Line up on the receiver. I just have to know where my holes are. Because I know that when we line up in that, it's like, I can't get them in the middle because in the two, you have two deep. Anything in the middle or in the post corner that they can get. So you have to know exactly what you're doing when you're playing back there. Not just sitting up on the line just playing a run. You know, you got to, you got to be able to do that, and that's what helped our defense. Where we can still run those, you know, nickels and dimes out of regular people. And uh, like I said, it's, it's the other uh, reporters and people that, that do all the voting and all of those stuff. They knew exactly how the defense run and how what's the difference between the three four and the four three. Then you realize how much I did. There's not that many four three outside linebackers in the Hall of Fame. No, no, it's only, I think, uh, I think it's one and two, uh, two and I think it's two, actually. Um, Ben Brooks just got in, and I know my numbers are better than his. Um, but, you know, that's what, that's what they want in his era. If you're on a losing team, you gotta get a lot of numbers. <laughs> but we wasn't, every team that I played on, uh, was very good teams, and if you're not on the field, you can't pull the numbers. But, uh, and then the other one, I think, I'm not sure, but, I think Ham may have played a little bit three four to four three depending on because they switch back and forth. But uh usually when they do that like said pro bowls and, and voting, there is no outside linebacker. So it's hard on uh me getting to that point and giving me the accolades because they don't vote that way. They want the rush linebacker or a defensive end that they call you mean the three four like Barnes Taylor or the guy from Green Bay that you see there, uh, Clay Man. That's coming off the, yeah, coming off the corner, but you don't ask him to cover a receiver or a back, or, or if he has to play behind the line of scrimmage and, and play the run. So, uh, knowing which way to play a counter trade, come across. There's a lot of stuff that those guys, if you put them back there, 
like Derek Brooks, they tried that to move him back once, you know, from Kansas City. Couldn't do it. They had to put him back on line coach here, especially if it's coming off the corner because it's speed. You don't have to play, to play that game on the outside in the three four. You just line up and you just rush. Yeah. Speaking of numbers, in 86, you had five interceptions, five and a half sacks, named first team all pro for the first time. But the team, the team was unable to repeat. What happened that season? Well, that's when we, we switched coaches, you know. Everybody went off. And um, everything that uh, Tobin wanted to do, he wanted to change. It was almost like, hey, we don't want that identity. We don't want to call those plays. We don't want that. You know, this is my team. You know, if it's not the old saying, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Yeah. And uh, what he wanted, what he wanted to do was something totally different. He tried to work some of the plays in and play basic. And our and our our game was basically surprise and change. And we can't, you know, move the line and change it when we're playing something vanilla. So it was it was tough to go back and do that. So if you do that and you're on the field a very long time, it's tough. I heard that he didn't understand the forty six. It was part of the problem. Yeah, it was tough. A lot of a lot of the players, and um, they wanted the defensive court, um, line coach. Basically, we thought they should have gotten that job. I think a lot of people thought that that's, we should have had that job. That could still run the same defense. You know, you always bring up the guy beneath you if he goes, because none of those guys left. Most of those guys stayed with the Bears. So we could have, we could have, you know, kept running it. They didn't go, buddy. They stayed there. So it was it was really awkward. And the players, you know, some of the players resented it. And I know that sometimes, you know, change, we have to make changes. But we figured that we can do this. If we can do it on our own. Because most of, most of us knew exactly how to make the plays. Because uh, Buddy was on the field, the defensive line coach, and, and uh, defensive back coach. All those guys were up there in the stand. They were the ones who was making the call. So... Um, we knew that he could uh, be a great coach, and that didn't happen. When and it kind of threw everything off. When did the tension or the fighting between Buddy and Ditka start? Did it start during that Miami game or before that? All way before that. All that happened before the, I guess, my understanding of history is that uh, when Papa Bear gave half the team to Buddy and half the team to Dick and it just was a tough situation and uh, uh, getting players to uh, line up. And Buddy, that's why Buddy was a great coach. He, he knew how to motivate his boys and get them to play. And, and they could, you know, whatever you want to do on that side, uh, Buddy was always saying, hey, we'll score on this side. It didn't matter. We'll, we'll score the points. <laughs> we'll play defense and we'll score. And most of the time, that's what we did. Now, after the 87 season, you became a free agent and you got an offer from Washington. Were you expecting yeah. the Bears? Were you expecting the Bears to match that offer, or, or were you pretty sure you were gone? I was pretty sure I was gone. I knew I was gone the year that we lost to, to the Redskins that I was going. So that's another story. But uh, I remember you telling me about that before. I mean, because you basically had that deal pretty much struck during the uh, strike. Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Things was done. It was on the ball, and it couldn't do anything until afterwards. But uh, you know, Dick uh, uh, McCaskey didn't give, give a darn. You know, uh, 
that if they did, they could have we could have had a deal done before the, the end of the season. All they cared about is, you know, we can control you. This is our team. You can't go anywhere. This is what they told me. You know, we're gonna do what we're gonna do, and that's well, that's that's fine. I, you know, I got smart people working for me too. Because wasn't Jack Kent Cook personally recruiting you during the strike? No, I wasn't no recruiting. Or not recruiting, no, but basically trying trying to talk to you and say, listen, I think you should come to Washington? Uh, no, when the deal happened, what was going on, my agent knew some people that know some people. It just kind of went that way. I didn't know anything about the deal until my agent came out with me. So it wasn't no one, no one was recruiting or making uh, a run for anybody. Um, But then... When you were a free agent, Miami kind of winded, or not Miami, uh, Washington kind of winded and dined you, right? Washington had a what? The Washington kind of winded and dined you. Didn't they fly you on a private plane there and you met with the owner? And- no, they didn't wind. Well, I wouldn't say wind and dine. I mean, at the time that I came in, they, uh, uh, it was during the strike time, there was no um, agreement. I went in with my agent, and that's when I met them, and um, it wasn't it was very, you know, Everybody knew I was in town, what I was doing, and it just happened, you know. And then when we got the agreement, then you know you can't you can't talk to anybody, you can't do anything. And then uh, at the time, the uh, bargaining agreement still wasn't struck. So we were basically there was no union, there was no uh, you know nothing. So we were allowed to do whatever we wanted to do at that time. Right, you know it was all on the up and up. You followed the rules, but again, Washington. Basically showed how much they wanted you, and I and McCaskey. What he met with you, and he had you like come in his office for ham and cheese sandwich, and tried to offer you a deal. Who? No, that's what uh, the Bears. Yeah, the Bears. Mike McCaskey. No, he didn't do that. He asked me. I came to towards the end of the year, and came and told me to come meet him up in the office, and you know, it was just some sandwich and some soup, whatever. I thought, you know, we were gonna talk about something. And basically, he, he was telling me, you know, you're, you know, our property, and we can do this, and and uh, and that you can do about it. So I went along quietly, finished out my year, and uh, when it hit them, they still thought they had it. I kind of talked to uh, Tobin and those guys, and shook their hands, shook their hands. Most of the guys at the end of that last game, the Redskins, they shook their hands. Hey guys, uh, see you. And a lot of people going like, what are you talking about? He said, I'm not here. I'm gone. And I knew it because I knew they wasn't going to match what they were going to put up. Yeah, and, the Bears had, and the Bears had a lot more money available because Peyton was retiring after that Washington game. Well, they had no salary cap. They could have paid whatever they wanted to, just like when they brought me in before. And uh, what I was asking for wasn't maybe a million dollars more than what I was making. And you spread that out in so many years, five years, that wasn't hardly anything. And uh, then that's when the, uh, the other side said, hey, we'll, we'll give you this. And I was like, wow. You know, what was I supposed to do? Yeah. You know, I would take that. And that's what I did. What was the transition like joining Washington and uh, fitting in with the defense there? Uh, it was difficult being the first person to ever do it, you know, in a long period of time trying to fit in with it. And they just won the Super Bowl. They beat us. 
you know, and uh, making that kind of money, being the first person to do that, and, you know, they expect, even especially the other player, they expect a hell of a lot out of you. And uh, it, it was very stressful for, for, you know, the first year or two, and finally guys got to know that, you know, I'm, I'm giving my all, just like I did with the other team, and uh, made some good friends, and then they realized that, you know, all you want to do is win. And that's what we did. We went to the playoffs. We got three, three out of the five years. Um, I went there. And what, four out of the four with the, with the engine. I've been in the playoffs for eight times while you went to East North. That's eight playoff appearances. What so, was, I was, think, I think was, they did well. What was Gibbs like as a coach? Who? What was Joe Gibbs like as a coach? Oh, he was quiet. You know, um, he had his boys. People that he brought that, that he brought in, and that's just how it was. He just had to fit in his way, you know. Very religious person. He wanted things to be done like he wanted to do, and not like the crazy guys that we had, you know. Everything holding him down. Everybody's going to, you know, go to church, go to Bible study, and do all that stuff. Compared to what I came from, we did that stuff. We didn't have to go to do all those meetings and. You know, you just came in, you said it, everybody lived their own life and did what they did in Chicago, but there, it was different. Was the fan expectation pretty high considering you came in with a big contract and all that? Uh, the fans loved it. They did basically the same thing. Why are you not, why are you not letting him rush? Put him on the line and let him go. You got him sitting back there. And uh, I played, and, like I said, we had, that team played a 4-3-2, but didn't rush that back. I was off the ball most of my career. So it wasn't only when they called a blitz, I went to it. So they got to the point where, you know, the fans was calling, you know, why are you not doing it? Why are you not using them? Using like the Bears. You got them here, you use them. Finally, by that second, third year, they start bringing me up and letting me play uh, a lot more, uh, coming off the corner a little bit more because uh, Dexter was getting hurt or going through his problems. And, uh, and, uh, they just start falling the place. They start making plays, interceptions, and whatever. They couldn't get me off the field. So that's just how it, that's just how it turned out. What was that Super Bowl like with the Redskins compared to the one with the Bears? Well, nothing's going to be compared to the first one you go to. I guess anybody would tell you that. Nothing, you know, getting to that point is, is unbelievable. And being with the Redskins, it was totally different too. Going there, especially playing in, in Minnesota, <laughs> you, you you didn't expect that one. It's freezing cold, no room indoors, but you had all the different stuff in New Orleans, you know, to do and be outside. But Minnesota was just totally the worst place you could have been at that time. You know, guys with ice fishing. So, you, you can imagine how exciting that was. I go to the mall, indoor mall, you know, that's about all you can do. Uh, a dream come true. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I had a good time. Both of them good. You got to meet a lot of good people. But, you know, when you have more activities, you know, dude, I think. You know, you would like it a lot more better, but at that time, snow and you know, you said ice fishing. Most of you guys had events like that. I stayed there. I'm like, this is not good. But uh, you know, when you win it and you turn it, you know that ring. It's nothing like it. What was it like hooking up again with Buddy Ryan when he was uh, 
with the Houston Oilers? Oh, it was good. We had a good time getting a chance to play, but I got hurt like God lady when I came in doing projects. Uh, buddy had a fit that uh, we coaching up put me on special team, and I got knees right above the right above my knee in that in that sack, and it just totally blew up, and I had to get surgery. So it was just really bad situation at that time. And you're like, why do you pay this man all this money? We brought him in to do this, and then you put him on this crap, and you get him hurt. No, what in the heck are we gonna do? And I, you know, it's nothing I could do. I mean, I had a train and surgery, and you know, went through the whole thing. And uh, I was up there with Jack Part. Jack Partee was the head coach, there and something like that. Yeah, there was the was, there was a year that Buddy had the famous incident on the sidelines with Kevin Gilbert. Yeah, yeah, we that was a good team. We won the uh, AFC division that year. I, I got back like the tenth, I think it was the ninth or the tenth game, and uh, we had a good squad. Just uh, got you know at the very end, that one playoff game got knocked out. So you know, got lucky. How hard was it on you that game when uh, Frank Reich beat you guys? Oh, it was tough. A lot of guys, you know, the great guys that we played with. But the, didn't have that killer instinct, and that's all I saw. They had great, great talent. You know, it was just difficult to see that. You know, I think that's why Buddy wanted me there to, to be there and, and talk to these guys. And you know, you, you're just right there on the cuff for this. Like, you know, they just couldn't get over that hump. It's almost like uh, Buffalo, same thing. All this talent you get, you, you win all these freaking games, you get to that big one. All it takes is that one person or. or uh, on the east side of the ball, you know, you know, have been there and uh, wanted to let them know how how important it was. And just being hurt and not being able to, uh, you know, mingle with the guys and be a part of the guys and, and, you know, get that heartbeat. And if everybody's working on that same one, that you know that, you know, you're going to win. Now, when, uh, but he went to Arizona. You, you got to play for him there too. What was that experience? Yeah. What was there? What was that like? Oh, uh, it was tough. It was tough because that team never won. He was trying to breed, you know, some great athletes they had there. It was great, but you know, mental. Like I said, it got to the time I know from going to a winning team to someone who couldn't win. It was just they had their own way. They wanted to do their own thing and. It was very tough to get everybody on the same page, and he had a short amount of time to do it. And he had a great, like I said, he had great athletes there. It's just that you got to buy into what the coach is doing. If you don't do that and you make the mistakes, like I told you when I played with the Bears, everybody had to know everybody's position, and it wasn't that way there. And you can tell the mistakes in the film room that, you know, the lineman, he had guys to come off the street to play. You know, he was trying to get it together, and he he almost did. He almost did. Before they, you know, decided, you know, we gave you these years and it didn't happen. Well, shit, you, you gave you the worst team. It's going to be tough. It seems like to this day this 46 defense still works. It doesn't seem it could be if you get the right players, the offenses could break it down. Is that true? No. The right players come at the offense can break down that defense. No, I don't think no, so. I, no, I don't think that. I don't think offensive players can break down that defense if it's run right. 
No, because of the way we play it, we, you put your quarterbacks in harm way the way you play it. We made teams adjust. Bring in two tight ends like the Redskins did, you know. Bring your fullback in. Bring, you got to bring everybody in the block to protect them. See, we can come off the corner. We made people that spread out. We made them bring guys in. You, you, you didn't want to do this run and shoot. And what they're doing now, this West Coast stuff, because you can hurt, you can hurt your quarterback. You know, we lining up. It's just like Mike Singletary. You got a five-man line. You got, they got five. We got five. Basically, you can put uh, a guy over the nose, two guards, and you got two ends. With two linebackers, you're not enough people to block everybody. You know, I don't care how fast you can get the ball, and he can't even back up three step when you got uh, Dan Hampton over the nose pushing that that center back and telling him he ain't got time to think to throw the ball. So the way we did it, like I said before, was that uh, they can single up me on the tight end, bring him in, even they leave him on, then they can double everybody. If they ain't got enough time to throw the ball, not when we got that many, we outnumber you. There's no way it's going to happen. But no one else knew how to play that. So they always brought up a safety to play over the tight end instead of having a linebacker like myself to play over that can rush and can cover. And by doing that, we can disguise it. We can zone out of it. We can, you know, there's different things that we could have done out of it that none of the other guys decided to do that. When you play a safety, you bring a safety down that tells the quarterback that uh, exactly what you're about to run. But when we use regular people, he didn't know. We could run anything off of it. I listened to you break down the offense and the defense. Why aren't mm-hmm. you coaching? Oh, no. <laughs> no. It pays, no. Than, it pays better than it used to. It's a stress. It's a stress for me. Um, it's hard for me to even watch the games now. I, I, I watched a little bit. Of, I watched the Bears a little bit the other day. It, it's frustrating if I don't see somebody still in the right hole, just dropping in the right zone. You know, I get stressful, and I, I, I can see what these coaches go through, what they go through. It's very difficult. I, it's hard yeah. watching today's game compared to when you played and before because it's almost like arena football now. It's all offense, and they're protecting these offensive players so much. It's not. It's not fun to watch at times. All the point is to score points. That's that's what they they want to see. All the great catches and the deep passes, everything quick. Scoring point was a thing, but you know when you wanted to go see uh, a great team, you go watch the Bears. That you don't dominate eat anybody up. You know it's like man, I want to see what they're gonna do next. We gotta line them up. You know they're gonna be some hell of a collision. We gotta knock some people out, and that's how we talked on the side. Like, okay, guys, who's gonna get it today? You know, <laughs> it just it was just it was just fun to see who's Go knock somebody else. I mean, yeah, you had that Raiders, you had that Raiders game, I think, in '84, when uh, you knocked out with David Hom, Rusty Hil- Hilger, I think uh, Mark Wilson. You got they were out of quarterbacks. Yeah, that's what we did. We always called, "Hey, bring the next one on. Go see how good he is." <laughs> <laughs> and then by doing that, you know, and then you get your stats and you just slow it down. And like I said, it was tough, tough for us to get all the stats, even though, you know, I got quite a few. But it's it's like when you get off and you had walk on that other side and Jim, you know, running it. We used to get mad at them. Hey, guys, let us on the field. You know, we want to get some stats. We're fighting those sacks. Because, you know, we didn't have that much time to get them. 
because at that time we would get a sack or running one in for a touchdown, and the best part of it is if we can get ahead, then we knew that we can get a staff because we knew that we got to get out of the game plan and we could uh, we can let his back and make and make something happen. You're in the College Football Hall of Fame. You're in the University of Florida Ring of Honor. We're named to the Washington 70th anniversary team. What's it like? Yeah, a, lot, a lot of different things. Yeah. How gratifying is that? Oh, it's great. I mean, especially uh, the University of Florida getting my chance. Um, I love the University of Florida. Most of my girls go to school there, graduate from there, uh, nursing, and I got one that's here now to be a pathologist, and uh, I'm so proud of them and the opportunity that they have and what the school did for us. It is, it's incredible. And all the other awards, you know, came along with the way I played and the coaches that I had, uh, you know, they really helped me out. And uh, I guess it's just like one missing, but uh, I don't know. I can't, I can't understand what's going on with the, the voting process, but that's just, I guess, how it goes. It's all political now. You should be in, but it seems like that unless you are part of ESPN after your career or Fox Sports where they're, or CBS where they're promoting you, it's hard for these guys to get in. Uh, yeah, that's true. Um, it's tough, but, you know, I thought that if you just kept your head down and not being in the public eye or being in the White House, uh, we call the White House scandal in Texas or, or, you know, beating someone or being on the 700 Club or you name it, all of a sudden you talk about the moral police and then uh, they, you know, have those same guys that are on their show. Yeah. And uh, all I can do is play as hard as I could, and I know a lot of fans wondering why, what's going on, and I can honestly tell them I don't know. Uh, they always say they look at the records, so you can pull up uh, their books that just got in. My numbers are better than his. My numbers are better than the other records. You pull the numbers up, but uh, they're going to get it. That's just what they wanted. They, that's the face. That's the people that they use. And uh, I can go on. Mike Singletary, my number's better than Mike's. But the pro ball, when you're picking that, I think maybe that's what hurts me uh, because I wouldn't have rushed outside linebacker to get the sacks. I was a guy that played and got the interception, the turnovers, the hits. And uh, the press, all they want to see is those, uh, those, those numbers or sacks instead of what that guy does for that team. If they go back and look at that, then they have a better chance to uh, evaluate it better. No, you're absolutely right, because I was looking at the list of linebackers in the Hall of Fame. 85% of them are middle linebackers, and then the rest are pretty much outside rush linebackers. The only ones we call them what they are, the defensive end in a 3-4. The one guy always rushed. If you rush more than 90% of the time, you got his hand on the ground that's standing up. He's not allowed for a linebacker. He doesn't cover anybody. Right. The only, he's, he's one, the only ones I saw that weren't look like Ted Hendricks, like you said, Jack Ham, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, Hendrick played in the middle, too. So, And Ham did a little both, but look what he had playing in front of him. <laughs> you can't, you can't, you know, nobody will touch him with the steel curtain, you know. But uh, Yeah, when you have Mean Joe Green, you have L.C. Greenwood and those guys, yeah. it makes it easier. Yeah, and like a lot of these, you know, 
the, I'm thankful that we did get two of them in there because uh, I think you should even gotten McMichael. So, you know, we got some, some other ball players I thought should be on that team should be in there. McMichael's on the list this year. He's one of the, whatever they call it, uh, semifinalists. I saw him on. Oh, that's, oh, that's good. Well, you know, you got a team you consider one of the greats, and you don't even have all, the, you know, like Green Bay, like the, so you don't have the players, you know, in. So it's tough. I'll tell you what, I'll really be pissed off if they put Cornelius Bennett in before you. Well, he's a defensive, like I said, he's a best linebacker, right. and he's on the losing team four times in the Super Bowl. That's all matter that he got there. You know, I bet you won it. That's just, I don't know. That's just how, that's just how it is. Maybe I stepped on too many toes, making an issue on making it right for all the other players. That, uh, all the players think that it should be done some other way. I don't know. Well, that does it for another edition of Sports and Torts. That hour went by quickly. When you get a guy who just loves to talk sports like Wilbur Marshall, it's real easy. He could have went out for two hours, and when you always get a beautiful girl, it makes it easier. Yeah, can't complain. I'd like to thank our guest, Playboy Playmate Roxana June, former Bears and Redskins linebacker Wilbur Marshall, and our Hall of Fame executive producer, Dave Olson. And tune in again next time to Sports and Torts on TalkZone.com. Mm-hmm.